Just that I can remind you today, if we don't know me, my name is Ed Trout, husband of one wife, I have three children and ten grandchildren. <laughs> they call me the ancient of days now. I love grandchildren. Uh, well, I used to love them a lot more until I became the ATM. My grandkids think that grandpa's loaded. <laughs> But I'm glad to be here. This is the family I've been part of for a long time. Pastor Theo has been my pastor for a long time. If you're visiting here today for the first time, or you've been coming on and off, and you're not a locked into the family, take it from me that part of your spiritual health is being part of a spiritual family. You can't pick family. You can pick friends. But God gives you the family that He knows you need and that's healthy for you. And whatever family you lock into, you need to... To be there for the longevity, the long haul. And Pastor Theo and his family have been a tremendous life source to me. It feels like I've been with him since 1820, <laughs> been so long. But in my journey with them, the integrity has never faltered, their relationship. And I admire many ministries that have done a great work for the Lord and they functioned in their anointing. But Pastor Theo and Pastor Bev don't just function in their anointing, they, they operate out of a relationship. So you need to know that I don't know any pastor that will pray for you as much as Pastor Theo prays for you and Pastor Bev. So if you're not a member of a church, you're not locked in somewhere, take my advice and consider coming to Christian Family Church right here. And you'll be loved and wanted and spiritually covered, okay? Good. This is the time of the year. All these Christmas trees and decorations remind us that we are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus. We often celebrate the Easter and we thank God for his sacrifice and resurrection, but we celebrate everyone's birthday on this planet. We regard one another and love each other. The birthday celebration is more for other people than for the individual themselves. We celebrate them being born. I certainly celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I would not have had any kind of life. He is, he is my most loved Dearest thing in my heart, nothing is more important to me than the Lord himself. So his birthday is of great importance. I'm sad that Christians have taken the birth of Christ as much as they can out of Christmas time because it's not the actual birth date of Jesus. But I don't care when you celebrate it. Let's celebrate together. Let's think and thank God for, his, for coming to this earth. It is a wonderful thing to do. I would like to teach this morning, if you will let me, from the Word of God, from the book of John. We have four Gospels, three of which are very closely linked and related with information. John wrote his Gospel way, way later in the years that he was older. He was the only disciple, John, was the only disciple that did not die as a martyr. He was only 18 when he met Jesus, and he was in late 90s when he died on an island called Patmos. It was his incarceration, as it were, where they kept him secluded. He had several servants, which were all helpers or disciples. They were Turkish, and some of them were, were martyrs, but not him himself. It seems to me the theologians believe he wrote the, this Gospel of John in his 80th years, in his 80s, in Ephesus, before he even went to Patmos, where he wrote Revelation. I'm telling you this to give you a, some idea and to stir up an interest in your heart about the Word of God, because the more you understand about 
without the circumstances, the more alive the word will come to you. John was 18, as I told you, and he, he gravitated towards Jesus, and, and he believed he was loved and special. He's the only one in his, in his book, five times he writes, the one whom Jesus loved. Nobody else refers to him that way, but he was fully persuaded, and that's good. But his gospel has a whole different approach to all the others. For those who are theologically inclined, I want to tell you that the book of Mark was the first book to be launched and, and written all over and sent all over, and it was the main platform of information for the other gospels. In fact, more than 240 verses that are in Mark are identical in the book of Matthew, and then 170-odd are identical in the book of Luke, but none of which are in the book of John. John wrote his book much later in life from a personal relationship and a longevity of walking with the Lord in the way he did, and he wrote, sat down and began, in the beginning was the word. He came with a message more than he came with historical events. And so uh, I find it all very interesting now. What caught my attention some time ago was that Jesus did many miracles. We all know that. And they are often related to us from around Galilee and different cities. But never are any of the miracles related that happen in Jerusalem. Now, his life consisted of Galilee mostly, and then mostly the temple area of Jerusalem. And you'd think there'd be a lot of reports of which miracles took place. But only two are mentioned in detail, and both were mentioned by John. And what's so ironic about them both is they both have so many similarities. They both took, occurred on a Sabbath, on a Shabbat. And I know that most of you cannot relate to what... That really the significance of that and how bad it would be for any, for any Jew to do that because Shabbat is a holy day. It is more than just a day off. It is a special spiritual day. If you go today, and I could take you, I'm going actually tomorrow to, to Israel, but if I, to, for taking a tour tomorrow, and if I take you to Jerusalem, and I'm going to take the tour if I get a time through the neighborhood where the Orthodox Jews live to show that everybody, men, women, and children, wear black from head to toe. They're devoted to God, and they try and reproduce as fast as they can. They have their kids get married. They got them already committed before they're 10 years old to who they're going to marry. Have them married off by the 18 and have them as quick as kids as possible. And they're very vibrant, happy families. But they're so religious, so much like Pharisees, that it's common knowledge throughout the city of Jerusalem that on a Saturday you do not drive through their neighborhoods because they will stone your car. Just to give you some idea how severe a Sabbath is to a Jew. And so these both took place on a Sabbath. And if you look at Jerusalem strategically, we have Jerusalem has three valleys. And they come together, it's almost looking from an aerial point of view, like three Tears coming down and forming together, and it's, it's exactly like the letter, the second, 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet <coughs> called Shin. Shin is the letter for God. And so God said he'd put his name on Jerusalem, and he did. If you look down, you'll see the Shin right from the aerial view. But the first peninsula, which is where the city of David finds itself, was located there long before David ever arrived because of the water origin in this desert inside the mountain. There is a spring called Gihon. Gihon springs right inside that mountain, which is a life source. And so 
this water is pure and holy because it's not touched by any man and it comes out springing out and that water is what we often make a pool with the Jews call call a, a mikvah which is a holy place to get yourself holy now there's a northern part to that city and the higher you go the more physical we go up higher and higher there is a place higher a place called Bethesda up higher where the origin another origin of the Gihon Springs bubbles out too but the bottom one Hezekiah, you may remember, he redirected the water because he was worried about being attacked by the Assyrians and that the city, outside the city wall, there was still some under the ground. Some of the tunnels would, uh, would move the water. So he sent his builders down in the mountain to, to chill, chisel out a different routing, reroute the water, and it spilled out to the southern part of that peninsula and it became the pool of Siloam, which they discovered by accident in 2008. They were doing some sewage repair, and lo and behold, they found the Pool of Siloam, a most magnificent thing discovery. Now, these two pools, the one in the very south and the one in the very north, both the miracles took place close to these pools. And both were took on the, on the Sabbath. And I began to wonder about this. Now, why I'm telling you all this is, Jesus did many things that were fascinating and would never explain it to anyone, least of all these disciples. For example, picture the scene. Put aside your sweet Lord Jesus stories this morning and think about this because we have all these little Bible stories in our head. Look at the reality. You're up on a mountain with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Please understand Moses is like a magnificent historical figure, like Abraham Lincoln coming to see you. I mean, it's an outstanding. Now, there's the disciples, including Peter, up on this mountain and it's, it's glowing with the glory of God. And there's Moses and Elijah. What would you do if you saw them? What would you say? What would you like to ask them? What would you do? Well, Peter says, shall I build a tent? I'm going, what? Are you brain damaged? Who needs a tent? It's just strange to me. And they come down the mountain. And there's no explanation what happened Jesus, why did Moses come? Why, did, why was Elijah there? No, you know what happened? He says, don't tell anyone until I'm gone. Uh, okay. But the strange things he did. He cursed a fig tree. Why? He did so many things that were of spiritual significance. For example, you see him overturn the tables, but it was well calculated to fulfill all things. Everything he did was spiritual significance. Stay with me now. To give you an idea... The Bible says he came and saw them trading in the temple. So he goes back and comes back the next day having made a whip. And then he whips it and says, you made my father's house a prayer, a den of thieves. Well, let me explain this to you if you've not been to Israel. In the time of Jesus, Jerusalem was at its most magnificent physically. Herod the Great had built enormous, magnificent buildings and palaces and bridges and everything, including the temple. He raised the whole temple mount, Moriah, Moriah, so high and formed a platform called the Temple Mount. This Temple Mount is there today still, and it's the size of between 12 and 14 football fields. It's ginormous with a temple in the middle. And all around it is the courts of the Gentiles where they had their trading tables. They had their little markets. At any given fest festival, you could have easily 3,000 sheep being slaughtered in one day. They had a whole drainage system, water system at the temple. It was a, like a factory. And they had thousands of people converging at every fest fe uh, festival. 
That was a mega, mega thing. So they had all these tables on the gent- quarter Gentiles on the outskirts, and there was many of them trading all kinds of clothing, food, anything they could trade. And so Jesus didn't overturn all those tables. He comes in and overturns the significant ones that makes a demonstration. When Jesus does things, there's a spiritual purpose. And why am I telling you this is because in your life, so many things happen that just don't make any sense. And God's doing significant things with you as much as you let him. Now stay with me. Now I'll read. I hope I've got enough time to teach you that I've got so much I want to say. Pastor Thea's watching me. I can feel it. (laughs) They should be out there in Disney. Go away. Don't watch me. (laughs) I I love those people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's a granddad too, like me. All right, so in John chapter 5, verse 1, I read these words. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem to one of the Jewish festivals. And when I read those things, I know you guys don't picture, but I picture, I know we, we lived in Galilee and went to Jerusalem. It takes at least a week to walk there. It's not like you get in the car and just go. It is a mega issue to go to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, and there's seven gates in Jerusalem. There's actually eight now, which is where the Catholics brought a special gate on for the, for the monastery. But, but there are seven official gates. And this gate, which is they call the Sheep Gate, is now called the, it's now called the Lion Gate. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I can't explain the time for that now. But the Sheep Gate is just on the eastern north side, just right next to the temple walls, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. There's a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Let me explain. These two pools, one bubbles, one doesn't. It spills over where you can sanctify yourself. And there are these gazebos, five of them, big columns, big roofs. And it says here, there are five of these around these pools. So it's a massive built out situation. And here it says in verse three, here a great number, a great number. That means a lot of people of disabled people used to lie. All these bodies are laying around in the, around this pool. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, lying there and learned, he didn't get a revelation, someone must have told him if he learned it, learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? That's a good question. Do I want to get well? I'm sitting here and I've been lame or an invalid for 38 years, and you're asking me if I want to get well? Why would, Jesus, why would Jesus ask that? Why does the Lord do the things he does? Well, let me tell you, for you to receive your miracle, there's got to be a spiritual connection. There has to be a, a place of faith. When, G, when Peter walks up through the gate of beautiful, he says to the man, look at me. I don't have money with me, but what I do have. And so he had to connect with him. There's got to be a spiritual connection. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to? Knowing full well he wanted to. And so he needed the young, this man to respond. And then he tells a story. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Why must he take his old smelly mat? At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry your mat. Yes, Jesus, you could have just let him leave that filthy mat. Just leave the mat, just go. But he made him carry his mat. 
But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked, who? Who is this man who told you to pick up your and walk? Huh? The man said, the man had no idea who healed him. Now that is bothersome. So you're telling me the son of God walks into a massive pool of sick people and he finds out a man is lame and he heals him and doesn't even preach the kingdom to him? He didn't even know who he was. What in the world is that about? Why would you not tell? That doesn't make any sense. It's, it's completely counterproductive to the whole purpose of Jesus. So I'm figure, trying to figure out. That got my attention the first time I read it some time ago, years ago. Why would you do that, Lord? And so the Bible says later in verse 14, Jesus found him at the temple. Later he finds him and he says, see you well again. Stop sinning. Yeah, he's lame, 38 years. He's sinning. What, 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 what is he doing? Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. You, see, you like my Jewish humor? <laughs> I mean, really, 38 years. What's he gonna do? You know, but he's not in relationship with the living God, with the Lord Jesus. And he says, stop sinning that a worse fate may happen. Well, what's worse than being 39 years, 38 years lame? Eternal destruction. So the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had, had made him well. Now listen now. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Could care less about the miracle. You're breaking our traditions. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, you forsake the law for your traditions. And I know you Gentiles don't know what that means, so I'm going to explain it to you. Traditions are things that are handed down by very spiritual leaders called rabbis. And every once in a while, we find some powerful, significant, godly, godly rabbis that have a history and an impact. And just one now last year died, and they had a, I know, this beginning of this year, and there was such a big funeral, the whole of Israel stopped. These rabbis are so deep and so spiritual, they hand down revelations, because they discuss this scripture over and over and over, and they hand down things. And these handed down word of mouth are called traditions, and they were put into book form for fear of being lost, and it's called the Mishnah. So if you ever heard you talk about the Mishnah, well, the Mishnah says, that's where it comes from. And Jesus said, you forsake God's law for your traditions. And he quoted them what they were doing. Today, if you go to Israel, you will not, you will not get milk products with meat, and in the mornings, you will get no meat with the milk products. It's that simple. Because one single scripture, which some rabbi traditionally handed down and said, it is cruel for, uh, for someone to cook a calf in its mother's milk. And from that, we formed that mega tradition that it's not kosher to mix milk and meat like that. Huh? A big tradition. And so that's when Jesus said, you forsake it, traditions, because they clung to those things. They were more concerned about keeping the Sabbath than they were about the man getting healed. Do you understand that? And we still have those things today. It, even in the church, it finds its way, that same spirit in different ways of religious, legalistic. It seems to always go. That's why, why Paul said in Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians, you started out in grace. What made you go to the law? It's always that pulling to go to something you can relate to and control and push and pull. And the devil doesn't want you to have the freedom that Christ paid so dearly for you to have. I'm telling you the truth. All right, so... <clears throat> Uh, so they began to persecute him. Now, this was the one miracle. The other miracle was on the southern side of the city, now near the Pool of Siloam. A man who was blind from birth. 
So how do you know someone's blind from birth? Is there a sign around his head hanging? Blind from birth, please contribute. No, I've seen people that have seemingly no eyes as they are so receded in their head, you can, they don't open, when a person's blind, they just look, you can't tell sometimes they're blind, but people that are blind from birth often don't have physical eyes. I've seen it. So I, that's what I think happened, blind from birth. And I think, I think, Jesus walks by and looks at him and goes, mm, what was it again, Father, uh, made man, image, dust, dust, I need dust. And he gathers some dust, uh, can't keep us together. Here we go, here we go. And he makes a little eyeball. Because that's what it was made from before, right? Yeah. Pops it in, pops it in. Can you see? Uh, go wash your, wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. So one is both done on the Sabbath, both were done in different holy pools, and both had mega fights from the Pharisees. And I wondered what was going on. All the miracles that he did in Jerusalem, none of them were told but these two. So what were you doing when you didn't preach the gospel to this blind man or the lame man? Why? What were you doing? You must have had a reason for doing this. Then I found it. Would you believe in the Bible of all places? <laughs> Second Samuel, chapter 5, verse 9, says these words. And the King David comes to this Jerusalem. It is the last of the Philistines. They're called Jebusites. They're up on this wall in the city, and they have the wall inside their mountain, and they're shouting down at David, You will not take this city! Even a blind man and a lame man will keep you out. So when the son of David comes to the city spiritually, he goes to the north and the south, and he secures spiritually a blind man and a lame man. So nobody would keep the son of David, God's son, out of that city, spiritually or physically. You tell me you're getting revelation. Now, I'm telling you this because the Lord does everything for a reason. And he's doing things in your life. You've said these words. It feels like we've come a full circle. I can feel this change. It's like a new season. Something is happening. You are aware of it. You just don't understand it. And God is always busy in your life. You cannot comprehend even slightly how important you are. You whine and complain about the challenges you have in your life because it's all about me, I, myself, the evil trinity, and about my comforts when God is so much more busy with a much bigger program and plan that is eternal of your life. Do you understand? We've got to lift our eyes a little higher than just here and now and look at the bigger picture that God has and start to trust him. If I knew and understood what God was doing in my life, I wouldn't need to trust him. Jesus said in John, which were words that I would like to leave with you today, and I hope you, so he said to them, they persecuted him. In verse 16 of chapter 5, it says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work. To this very day, and I, too, am always working. So when you don't feel like God's doing something and things aren't working out the way you want or think, remember that Jesus doesn't lie. God is working, and you are that important. He spent a very expensive price to get you in. 
You are vitally important to God. And you have many things you don't understand. God, how could you allow this? Why did this happen to me? Stuff happens all the time, but you've got to trust him. If I knew and understood everything God was doing, I wouldn't need to trust him. It's because I don't know that I trust and lean upon his goodness and his faithfulness. God is so into your life and so involved with you. He cares about your life. And I want you to leave here this morning knowing that everything is under his control. And if you give him full control, I have messed up God's plan so many times because he wouldn't move fast enough for me. Or he wouldn't do it quite the way I thought he should. So I prayed and prayed and I still got involved and I make it so much more complicated for him. I, I tried to obey him and I've been doing this a long time. I, I was 13 when I got saved and many, many years ago. And I still struggle to let completely go. Go ahead, God, do what you want. It doesn't look right to me, but I'll let you go ahead. I'll trust you. Go on. Come on. I'm not the only one here. I want you to learn to trust him. That he's, he really has got your back. What it looks like, it always looks much worse than it really is because God is so much bigger. This world is not controlled by the devil, not controlled by the world system. God's the boss. You know that they, the Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, speak up. And he was a powerful man. I have the power of life and death over you. Jesus said, you have nothing except the Father give it to you. You got nothing without God say so. You serve a living God that's the boss. Do you understand? Now, he's given us authority, and he's given us instruction. When we get involved spiritually, let it be from his instruction and not your fears or your own ideas or your limited information. Get hold of God and pray as he tells you to pray. It's why we pray in tongues, because we're not smart enough always to know what to do. Am I right? Let's have some happy Christmas faces here, please. Thank you so much. I hope I taught you something this morning. All right, because I'm about to prophesy. Hallelujah. What's it to you? Just to mention to you, I do have uh, some books and CDs here. They required reading for heaven. I'm Jewish. <laughs> A way of selling things. <laughs> my, my newest book is about interpreting dreams. Everybody that's born again dreams. And if you want to know how understand your dreams, whether they are literal or figurative, or whether they have symbols and why you're dreaming and how dreams, you, you know, that you understand that King Nebuchadnezzar dreamt about his future as an answer to prayer. Pontius Pilate's wife dreamt because of her husband's situation. And so you dream many things, and there are reasons for it. And some dreams are even from your own tensions. We wonder why children have nightmares. Well, Lamentation says that of the many concerns of the day, your spirit spills over into dreams. And so little kids can process a lot of tensions. And they may be small things, but to the child, it's so unprocessable, unpro unable to process it. So the little souls at nighttime have all these nightmares. And that's how you can help heal those, those things in their lives. I don't believe that demons can give you anything. There's no reference to the devil ever giving you nightmares or no, no reference. But dreams are riddled from Genesis to Revelation. God spoke repeatedly through dreams, and this book will help you with that. I even have a dictionary at the back of it. We have wonderful audio, too, if you want to get a hold of those audios. We have great things that are required listening for heaven. As I tell you, they'll be asking you when you get to heaven, where's that drought stuff? Tell me what you... <laughs> Hallelujah! I'm so glad I serve a live Christ, not a dead Muhammad. They can't have a Christmas for Muhammad because he's dead. Jesus is alive. That's what I'm saying, y'all. 
Once again, if you're not in the church, join this one because it's a family. Perfect they not because no one's perfect, but you'll be safe here. Spiritually, you'll be safe. Are you with me? All right, now I'm going to let the Holy Ghost lead me to who I should minister to. May the Lord help me. I'm going to speak to a lady that's got her hands folded with a checkered black jacket on the edge. If you don't mind standing for me, please. And in fact, that whole row, she bumped you, she elbowed you. All of you stand up, please. All that whole row, all of you sinners. All sinners saved by grace. Am I right? Are we all sinners saved by grace? All redeemed, right? We are redeemed. Let them say so. We're redeemed. It's okay, Pastor Theo. I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> he says he texts me. He's watching. So, what's your name, ma'am? Barbara. Barbara? So what I heard, Barbara. Want to get for the recording correct. Are you married, Miss Barbara? Uh, I was. Are, are you in this church now? No. Do you go to church somewhere else? Yes. Okay, well, you're very welcome here anytime you want to come. Do you understand? I'm here to tell you from God, it was a divine appointment for you to be here today. That's why you got picked first. You're going through hell. But I'm here to tell you, you're going through it, not to it. And it's almost over. It's almost done. You feel like you can't face the season. Oh, girl, you just don't know how God likes you. (laughs) God likes you a whole lot. What you went through, you just couldn't control. You tried hard to stop it all. Lord knows you did everything you could, and you just don't understand why. After all that, the devil came to steal and rob and destroy. You were just a victim, but I'm here to tell you, (laughs) the last laugh comes from the Almighty, and he's he's fighting for you. So I need you to lean back into his arms. Because you're too scared, you feel so alone, you wake up at night, no one knows how you wake up at night and cry, you don't know what to do anyway, you feel desperate, you wonder even why you're alive. Girl, you have no idea. Some of the best days of your life are still coming. You have no idea. God wasn't surprised all the stuff you're going through, and I didn't go, oh, look, the poor. no, he knew. He knew all the things you're going to go through. And you keep blaming yourself, trying to, trying to find what you could do. But you have a perfectionist idea. I think it has to be so right and trying to always find the details. and Let it go. Say, God, my life is in your hands. He loves you. He's working on your behalf. And I see him intervening as a lawyer, fighting for you. Things are not settled. And he's going he's gonna to make sure that he's going to himself insert and help you. He's got you covered. You leave it today at complete, full of peace. And know that the Lord is, if God's watching for you, who, who could possibly be against you? Do you understand that? All right. If you have a child or someone you love very much and you, you feel helpless about them, you don't know what to do for them, and God says, watch me in that one too, how I'm going to come through for you. What's your name next to her? Joanne. Joanne, are you her friend? Her sister. You're her sister, so you're not a friend though. You don't like her. Oh, you yes. like her? Just checking. I don't, I don't know how you guys talk here. Okay. <laughs> Joanne, you're a dynamite lady. You make, your, you make your angel tired, that's true, because you're doing all kinds of things that are crazy, because you're a crazy lady, but I love your heart of prayer. I love your positive, always going to make it work. You, do, you, you don't know how to give up. Since you're a little girl, you always were determined, and you would hurt yourself trying to finish something, because that's who you are, and God absolutely cheers you in your championship, because you're a champion of the gospel. You're serious about God. You're on your way to the things the Lord. Just keep going. You've got a lovely ministry. People get irritated by your witnessing and your love and your Pollyanna attitude. They get irritated, but you just keep going because God loves it. He loves your positive. God's your helper. He's, he's rearranging your finances because you're not always the best manager of finances, and God's teaching you how to be both. Be, what is your husband next to you? 
for you both to be wiser. You're kind and generous, but he wants you to be good stewards too. He's just teaching you wisdom, that's all. And he wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. Ask and you shall receive. It's that simple. God's rich. He's so rich. He has no end to his wealth. I mean, they keep talking about who's the wealthiest man. I'll laugh at them. Ha, 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 ha. You don't know my father. They can't even count his money. There are, there are no, there's no computer that can count what God's worth. So what is your name? Are you married to this young lady? What's your name, sir? Rafael. 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 Okay, Rafael. And how many children do you have? Three. Three. And what do you do, Rafael? Uh, I'm in construction. Yeah, you owe God because you should have been dead. The devil had set you up to take you out, and God rescued you right in the nick of time and said, you're not touching that man. You have the kindest heart. You're the funniest guy, too. You do the strangest things. You're not always careful. You're a bit of a klutz. Even when you drive. Even when you drive. Your angels are so tired already, like, dude, can you just pay attention? It's not even a phone that makes you busy. You talk all the time. Blah, 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 blah. And the angel's saying, look at the road, look at... He's trying to get you to pay attention because he loves your heart. The Lord loves your kind and generous heart. You're a dad to everyone. You're a friend to everyone. You've got such a kind heart. You're a good man. God loves you. Money and you are just not friends. I don't know why they leave. Money always seems to leave you in a hurry. God wants to teach you wisdom and how to, how to gather, not always lose, but be wise. Okay, you got it? I see all kinds of junk around you. You like to make, you think this is a good deal and that's a good deal. You gather junk. You need to be a little more wise with those things. And he's going to start turning some of your junk into money. He's going to help you with that. Next person, please. What's your name, sir? Uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry? Yeah. Can I call you Jerry? I'm going to call you uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Or Are you Jerry. married, Jerry? No, never found the right one. And, and what do you do, sir? Uh, I work in financial systems. At you do, and a good one. Good one. You do. In many ways, you're alone. And I don't mean because you're not married. You've been alone for a long journey, but you have a very upright and uh, delightful heart. You're not a negative person by nature. And uh, you, you surprise everybody, but you look that, you look that accountant fellow, and then suddenly you'll come with this humor. They're like, whoa, where'd that come from? The incredible humor that you have and personality. And you've always been that way. And the Lord touched you because someone in your family had really loved God and prayed an awful lot. And as you grew up, the blessing of, of that cloud was always on you. Even now, God's favor is upon you. You've gone through some strange things and always come out better. Some of God's always come through for you because of his favor in your life. Amen. You've had money, lost it. Had money, lost it. Never was a big issue for you, but he wants to equip you so that you can help equip the saints. You did make a deal with God years ago. If he gave you more you'd, and you got distracted, you need to get back to your contract with God to be a financial kingdom supplier. That's what God wants to do. And, you, the, and the, you've been knocking on a door and it's been three years now, but it's going to open the new year, that door of business that God's promised you. Okay. What's your name next to him? Jeannie. How much time do I have? I don't even know how much time I have. Jeannie. Jeannie. Yes. Jeannie? Uh -huh. And this is your, your toy Mike. boy? My boyfriend. Boyfriend. <laughs> What's your name, sir? Mike. Mike. And what do you do, young lady? Oh, uh, we're retired, actually. Retired? Yes. From what? Uh, we had an environmental company that we sold. Okay. You're quite a dynamic little lady. And are you part of this family? Because we're so glad you're part of this church because you have a ministry and a gift from God. You don't know how just to be a, a spectator. It's not possible. You have a People misinterpret your natural, amazing gift of leadership and quick decision-making 
for control. People always thought you're a little bossy and controlling, and you're not even slightly. It's just that you're good at what you do. You've learned to be diplomatic and politically correct with people, even in your own home, so you don't overshadow them, but you are so gifted. Don't apologize for the gift God gave you. You're a good, skilled leader, and retired you'll never be. You'll always be doing something. You can't help yourself. You, can, you always find yourself, how do I get myself in this thing again? Just so quickly you offer your services, but you are a dynamite lady. And I thank you for your integrity, your uprightness with the Lord. God is your strength and your shield. You have been such a delight to the Lord. As for, as for you, sir, you've got a wonderful heart. You're a little slower than her, but most people are because she's a, she's a go get him girl. She's already answering the question she asked you by, in her mind because she really has gone up, wait up A, B, and C already. You're just taking a long time to get to A. But anyway... You have, a, you have a wonderful heart. <laughs> You've got a wonderful heart of gold. I love your heart. You really care about God. And you, you're methodical. And you always finish what you start. It just takes you a while. But you do everything right. What makes you the champion or makes you so uh, delightful to the Lord is your pureness of heart. There's just no darkness in your soul. Always doing what's right. You snore awful. I don't know if you know that. Snore awful, but that's about the only thing I've got to put up with. God bless you. All right. So you're his new wife, he's David's wife, right? What's your name, Bathsheba? <laughs> well, he had, so, he had so many wives, I've got to pick one of them, right? What is your name? Brianna. Brianna, close. Okay. <laughs> so how long are you guys married? Three years. Three years, and how many children do you have now? One baby. Woohoo, dude, you're the man. You know, God told you to fill the earth, Brianna, right? Just saying, it's what God said. All right. <laughs> what do you do, Brianna? I stay at home, Mom. You, you stay home with Mom? I stay, stay at home, Mom. Yeah. You're a, at the moment, but you're a brilliant lady. I don't know what school you went to or what you did schooling-wise, but you have a natural flair to achieve things. You're very steady. You have a skill from your father's side of the family that are all born to be leaders, to be somehow successful. You can't help it. He's very steady in the church. He's been here since 1820 with me. Just forever. He's been just always right there. But you have a real adventurous spirit for uh, some task. You need some project that's in you. And right now you're happy with a kid, but it'll only, uh, it'll only last a while. Because you'll let it start, start stirring in you. And that's the Lord, because he's got projects for you. He's whispering in my ear to tell me that you were all romantically involved with him and, and you're a very brilliant woman. And so I'm here to reassure you from the Lord that without you even realizing, God orchestrated and sealed the deal with the marriage before you even really met him. And that the real blessings of your marriage are coming only later in your life. You'll only see the evidence and the fruits of the real comradeship that God's got planned. He didn't just jump into the marriage. He was very careful about who he picked. But uh, you always had so many ideas. And because you're a brilliant lady, but God knew what you needed. So just go with the flow because there's so many things that are missing from your early requirements. But it's all going to fulfill. That's God's promise to you. He'll promise you. You have a wonderful skill. David, you have a heart for the kingdom. There's no question in my mind that you'll be full-time in the ministry. There's no question. Just give it time. You'll be that. You'll be everything you wanted to be. You're really like a, an echo or a shadow of Pastor Theo. You look and talk like him, but when he was in the 1820s, yes, that's when he, not anymore. I don't know how we got all so old so fast, that's what, I don't know how it happened. Felt like yesterday I was in high school. How strange is that, right? So, 
Thank you for your faithfulness, David. It's a wonderful testimony. Thank you so much. All right, let's look this side. Have I got a little time? It reloaded. Does it mean I get paid more? Yeah, they say. Or I'm going to bring the basket around myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. <laughs> All right, let's see this side. This young fellow with a face. Um, he's got a goatee. He's got a nose. He's got a kind of a greeny shirt. Yes, sir. Next to you is your daughter. In fact, let all four of you stand up. All four of you people stand up. Yeah, all the cool kids from the block. All right, what's your name, sir? Sergio. Sergio. And next to you is your? My girlfriend, Abigail. Your girlfriend. Did you know that, ma'am? What's your name? Abigail. Abigail? It's a good name. Do you know about Abigail in the Bible? She was gorgeous and super smart. Did you know that? Yeah, she saved her idiot husband. He was, you don't know, he was an idiot. Do you know about that? Anybody know about it in the Bible? He was a total idiot. Anyway, she was fantastic. So, Abigail, what do you do? I do graphic designing and okay. website. The word of the Lord for you is you've got to let go of yesterday. You're still feeling the pain of things that happened before because you had no control when things happened and it hurt. And you, even though it's past, you're still in pain. So I'm releasing you by the word of the Lord to let it go now. Because his name's I am, not I was. Your future has nothing to do with where your past was. But I am inviting you to serve God with all of your heart. Because you know better. You know the way of the Lord. And you got a little distracted. Don't let any man, boy, money, business, nothing distract you again. Because you belong to God. Do you understand that? God put his name on your forehead. Now, let me tell you another thing. You let put down that gift of music and singing that God gave you you better not let it go too long because you will have to give an account for it. God will ask you what you did with your talent. So you need to get back into the worship. That's where you belong. Do you understand that? And God's going to heal your whole family. Doesn't need your help. Does not need... Get, step aside. Let God do it. He'll take care of it. He loves you. He's on your side. You went through a little crisis financially even and you look, something got broken and damaged. He's got you covered there too. Watch God move on your behalf. Sergio, are you born again and full of the Holy Ghost? Yes, sir. Uh, what do you do, sir? I'm an auto mechanic. You're a mechanic? Yes, Sergio, God is repairing so many things in your life. Uh, you've got a good heart and you haven't had a fair run. You've had so many things against you and you couldn't do it all right. You always had someone barking at you. But I'm here to tell you from the Lord, your dad in heaven is so proud of you. He loves you for who you are. They told you you're not smart. It's not true. You're very smart. You may be a little slower, but you get it. And you remember it. That's what's different about you. The, the, what's really not strong about you is you gullible, even now. For a guy, you just believe everybody all the time. And you say, I'll never do it again. And tomorrow you get it again. But I love it about you because the scripture says, to the pure or not, all things are pure. And because your heart's pure, you don't expect someone to be crooked and mean. And people have taken you for a ride and used and abused you because you're so tenderhearted. Don't apologize. This girl... This girl's got some discernment. You will never go down that road again because she will, she will stop it. It's who she is. She recognizes those crooks before you do. Do you understand? And God's going to be your helper. But when you were born, listen to me, Sergio. When you were born, it was a happy day. There was rejoicing in heaven. Because you've hated your life for so long. You need to thank God because you're a gift. Do you understand that? They didn't always celebrate you in your own family. But from here on out, everyone's going to celebrate you. You're a blessing. 
What's your name, sir? Joshua. Hi, Josh. What do you do? I work in IT servers. I was about to tell you, you are headed for an extreme success in IT. Extreme. You are, you are a boy genius. You always have been. And there is code and stuff you're going to write that's not been written yet. And you are a little crazy. You're a little <laughs> extreme. I mean, no one can keep up with you. But God's got some plans for you. You're going, you're going to Washington. Yeah, you can frown at me because they're going to put you in a cybersecurity thing, something or other, because you're brilliant. You, you can solve problems that others can't. God's got you. You get buried amongst, done all that stuff, but the Lord's got a plan for your life. All he's asking of you is to completely give him complete control, complete, in your life and serve the Lord. You'll never be sorry. Do you understand that? But you're yes. a good guy. So great success. Are you married in love? What, anything? Nothing. No girlfriend? Not yet. Is there anybody you like here? Just look. I don't really know anybody. And just point and click. <laughs> trying to help you. Thank you. I'll tell you why I'm joking with you, but God has handpicked a woman for you. And you're not going to date a bunch of girls. When you see her, you'll know it. I'll tell you this, she's short. But she's full of life and fire. You're a dull person. You eat the same cereal every day. She's full of difference. She brings a whole lot of spice to your life. And, and she does all the talking. But you don't mind because she's so much. She loves you. And she's so safe. You're so safe with her. If you, if you had money, I'd give you her name and address. But you obviously don't have, a, you don't have enough yet. You guys laugh all the time. <laughs> so what's your name next to Merry Christmas, fella? Justin. Who gave you that sweater? I, my parents, but I picked it out. <laughs> Help him, Jesus. <laughs> so what do you do, sir? Um, I'm his boss. <laughs> <laughs> you his uh, boss? I, I, I own an IT business. Do you know that he's going to... You, can you see what's going to happen to him? He'll become my boss. Yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> This, the man is brilliant. He's got a gift from God. Do you understand? What makes you brilliant is your heart. You can do stuff, but what you don't realize, you've always felt comfortable in your achievements because you weren't Mr. Popular at school. But it's because those idiots could never recognize how beautiful you really are. You're the most unselfish person you know. I'm telling you, there's nothing selfish about you. You're kind and generous since you were this high. Always been thinking of everybody else, got a wonderful heart. You've been used and abused and put down and kicked down, and you go back and you love people, and God thanks you for it. He thanks you for the right spirit. You've got a good heart, and you're a blessing. You're a blessing. As a sign to you, God's lining up a vehicle you've always wanted, and God's going to make sure he puts it in your hand. It's a collector's piece or whatever it is, but it's, it's exactly what you asked for. He just to express his appreciation and love to you, because God does that. God's kind, and he loves you so much. Do you understand that? I'm glad. Are you part of this church? Yes, sir. Are you all part of this church? Good deal. No, you better be. I just prophesied over you. Thank you. All right. I don't know why anybody would be a part of any other church than this one. It must be crazy. All right. Did you all get blessed today? Amen. I had so much fun today. God bless you, but thank you for letting me be here today. And don't forget the books and CDs. I look forward to seeing you. I'll be in Israel this week. See you. God bless you. Bye-bye.